I turn your attention to Genesis 1-1. You don't have to stand because I'm just going to read four words in your hearing. Genesis 1-1. You've maybe heard of this verse. It's the first verse in the Bible. And the four words that I want to read is simply, In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. It has... uh, It's taken a number of years for science to arrive at a consensus on the first three words of the Holy Scriptures, that indeed there was a beginning. What I want to talk to you about this morning is faith in the fourth word, faith in the fourth word. There was a time whenever it required faith for the first three words because science had not yet caught up with faith. I'm one of these people that believes strongly that science and God are not mutually exclusive from each other. As I think Brother Harding was saying as he spoke to the young people this morning in our Life Center is that in some ways you can look at science as the study of God. Now that would make some scientists' hair stand up on their head. But at some point, science caught up and and finally came to the conclusion that they had, maybe they were kicking and screaming, coming to this conclusion, didn't really want to admit to it, but finally, science forced them to say, indeed, there was a beginning. And it was not until the 1960s that they finally had to agree with the biblical account that there was and is a point of beginning. But then they stood firmly on the third word. They would not make the jump to the fourth word. And they said, we'll, we'll concede that indeed there was a beginning, but not that there was a God at the beginning. Dr. John Lennox who is a professor of mathematics at Oxford University, one of the foremost mathematicians of our time, he addressed this very issue in a speech that he gave in New York City as he was speaking uh, to a group that's called Socrates in the City, defending the biblical account of creation. And we have a 90-second clip of him speaking that I want to share with you right now. Dr. John Lennox of Oxford University. Our society is divided and culturally in the academy we have a clash between two fundamentally opposed worldviews. The one is naturalism that believes that this universe is all that ever existed or ever will exist and that therefore all explanation has to be bottom-up in terms of mass and energy. The other worldview is theism, and in my case, Christian theism, that says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Never was there a more profound challenge to the naturalistic worldview. I remember in the 60s in Cambridge, when evidence of a beginning to space-time began to come in. 
It was seriously resisted by the scientific establishment. The then editor of Nature, Sir John Maddox, said, we cannot go down this road of believing that there was a beginning because it will give too much leverage to people who believe the Bible. In other words, here was science being resisted because it appeared to run parallel to what Scripture said. Now we know that the majority of scientists believe that space-time had a beginning. But what they do not believe is that it was a creation by an intelligent God. So you can hear as he speaks, he readily admits that part of the issue that science had with agreeing to the first three words was that they saw it as a slippery slope. Something that would put them on the path of having to consider the viability of the biblical account. Their ultimate issue at this point is that they will agree with the first three words in the beginning, but not the fourth. We can agree that there was a beginning to space and time, but we're not ready to admit that the beginning was God. I rise today to tell you that I started out this journey with faith in not just the first three words, but faith in the fourth word, and as far as that goes, the fifth and the sixth as well. So that the faith that we have is not based on science, it is based on belief. And if science feels that they can jump on the bandwagon, they will also feel that they can jump off of the bandwagon. If they want to jump off on the third word, then that's certainly their prerogative. But our faith did not start with science, so it is not predicated on the intellectual boundaries of science. We believe in a God that transcends science and logic and rationale. Dr. John Lennox was debating Richard Dawkins, who wrote the book, The God Delusion. And Dawkins said, Dr. Lennox, your faith in God as your creator is not a rational conclusion. I was watching this debate last night on YouTube at 3 a.m. in the morning. I said, I have to go to bed. I've got to preach in the morning. But I could not turn it off. They were debating, both of them Oxford professors, and debating whether or not this concept that the God that created this beautiful universe. You see, ladies and gentlemen, in the origin of species, Darwin dealt with the concept of the origin of species through natural selection. But he could not give an answer to the origin of life. And certainly not the origin of the universe. And so he sees it as some sort of a magic formula. He says, I don't know what the solution is. I don't know how life starts. I don't know what created the universe. I just don't like what you've come up with. And you can't explain to me scientifically because 
for you to say God created the universe, then we've got to scientifically figure out who created God. And so one dilemma does not solve another dilemma. And so he says, I, I, I know it's a placebo for you intellectually to get to this point where you just say there was this magic, you know, and God did all of this, but I, I, I can't get there. It's not rational for me. And Dr. Lennox responded, and I love this response. He said, the very fact that you can have a rational thought is proof that God is rational because God created you. In other words, you can't be rational and God be irrational because you were created in the image of God. Oh, I want to tell somebody here today, you may be facing a problem that is too big for you, but it's not too big for the God that you serve. I got a God that can heal any broken body. He can heal a broken heart. He can save you intellectually, emotionally, naturally, and spiritually. I stand here today to declare that there is a certain faith that every human being has. The Bible says that he has given to every man a measure of faith. But the question that is before us today is, where does that faith stop? At what point does your faith top out? At what point does your logic override your faith? Where for you does the rationale become the preferred resting point? Because ladies and gentlemen, God will keep stretching you and God will keep pushing you beyond your comfort zone. And so my goal for you today is to push your faith to the fourth word, to push your faith to the fourth power. To push your faith to the fourth dimension. You say, well, preacher, I have no problem with the fourth word. I believe not in just that there was a beginning. But I also believe in the fourth word that in the beginning, God. Not only was there a beginning, but that it was God at the beginning. You're preaching to the choir because we all believe that. Well, I'm thankful that all of us believe that. And I'm thankful that all of us agree to that, or we would not be here today. But ladies and gentlemen, there is a principle of that in the beginning God that goes beyond just the account of creation. The application to that principle is that we must believe that God should be at the beginning of every decision. So many times we call upon God after we can't solve it on our own. I try everything I can. When I make a mess of it, I decide to go to God. I wonder today, do we have enough faith to believe that in the beginning of every decision I make, before I fall in love, God 
before I choose a career, God. Before I go to school, God. Before I buy a car, God. Before I move across the country, God. Before I do anything, God, what is your will? In the beginning, God. We're not just Bible-believing Christians because it is convenient. In Him we live and move and have our being. Matthew chapter 8, the centurion comes to Jesus and asks that He would heal His servant who is sick of the palsy and most likely at the point of death. Jesus said to the Roman centurion, That he would come and heal him. The centurion says that he is unworthy for Jesus to come to his house. But then he makes a statement that causes Jesus to say that he had not seen such great faith in all of Israel. The centurion says, speak the word only. I have preached for years that the faith was an understanding that Jesus had all authority. That he could just command it. In fact, the example that the centurion gave was of his own life. He said, I have soldiers under me, but I am also under authority. So just speak the word only. He could just command it and it would be done. And no doubt that is part of the equation. Speak. That is powerful. That is faith. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 17, 20, to speak to the mountain and it shall be removed. So there is faith in understanding the power of speak. That's the first word. The next two words, the word. That's certainly powerful. The logos, the spoken word, the rain, that that puts speaking and the word together. It took a while, perhaps, for, for even Christianity to arrive at the point that we can believe the first three words of this statement. Speak the word. But my challenge for us today is to have faith in the fourth word. Speak the word only. Can our faith go to the fourth dimension? And that is, I have no backup plan. I have no plan B. Jesus, if you don't do it, you're the only solution. You're the only answer. If you don't heal my body, if you don't save my husband, if you don't deliver my child. Oh, I believe that God is wanting to know, can you push your faith to the next dimension? What happens when you're out of options? This is, you've heard Brother Chris Green talk about it. You've heard the passion, the heartbeat of Sister Crystal and Brother Philip. You've seen all these videos. You know this is the heartbeat of your pastor. You know we're taking people overseas and young people and building all churches and men. What is the purpose and the point to all of this? Ladies and gentlemen, why do we see blind eyes of tumors disappear in people's bodies? Why do we see thousands of people get the Holy Ghost in these third world countries? Because 
There's faith in the fourth dimension. They don't have a backup plan. Where you and I said, God, I'd like for you to heal me. But if you don't. Now you may not actually say that. But your thought process is already developing a backup plan. And so that backup plan causes us to, to get stuck and totally sell it out. I believe with all of my heart that God is calling on the First Pentecostal Church of South Bavard to put all of your chips on the table and to sell out and to say, speak the word only. Deliver my child only. Heal my body. I got nowhere else to go. The disciple said, to whom else can we go? You've got the words of life. What would happen if we got to the point of God only? You say, I have faith for others to be healed, but it's hard for me to believe that God can heal me. Well, I submit to you this morning that we need irrational faith. We need illogical faith. If I can say it this way, we need blind faith. You say, I'm not sure if that's biblical. What do you think Barnabas had? <laughs> he was blind. He could not see. He couldn't see Jesus coming to town, but he could hear. You say, Pastor, I'm not sure if I believe. Yes, but you can hear. He that hath an ear, let him hear. Give God what you've got. He'll develop what you've not yet received. But here's what you got to understand this morning. It's the crux of my entire message. Jesus Christ, God Almighty, manifest in the flesh, is not going to check all of your boxes. He is going to require you to step out of the boat of human comfort. He's not going to dot every I and cross every T for you to say, I believe. He's going to ask you, can you walk by faith? Do you believe I got your back when the door closes? Do you believe I got a better door that's going to open? Good God Almighty, I feel the Holy Ghost. They said to Dr. Lennox in a televised debate with Christopher Hitchens, you know Christopher Hitchens, the guy that wrote, God is not great. He said, you, you mean to tell me, Dr. Lennox, that you believe, and of course they say it with so much condescension, are you telling me that you believe that Jesus walked on the water? Dr. Lennox said, what's so crazy about that? If he created the water, <laughs> he should be able to walk on the <laughs> you, you, you see if you can understand that there was God before you got here and there's going to be God after you leave here it's not hard for me to believe that God's got my problems that God's got this dilemma that God's going to see me through 
You say, well, I believe that God can forgive others, but I'm not sure if, if He will forgive me. Well, let's take faith to the fourth word again. He told the lame man that was let down through the roof in Capernaum, Thy sins be forgiven. Thy, yep, he's talking to me. Sins, yep, I can believe that, got lots of them. Be, yeah, they be. They exist. They are present. Forgiven. What? The Pharisees went crazy. It was fine, Brother Philip, as long as he was doing humanitarian projects. It was fine as long as he was raising the lame and healing the blind eyes. But when it transformed over into the miraculous, and they said, only God can do that. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. You won. You finally figured it out. It's your Messiah. And he's walking in flesh. I've come to tell somebody today. I don't know what you've done in the past. But there is a God who will forgive you. And only God forgives. Now put them together. In the beginning, God, speak the word only. Thy sins be forgiven. And I put all those together. What do I have? Only God forgives. They cried out blasphemy. He is a man claiming to be God. But what does John 1 say? Word was made flesh believe in the word but hard for me to believe that Jesus was the incarnate word that's why you have to have faith to the fourth dimension word was made flesh do you believe that Jesus Christ was more than just a good teacher do you believe that he was God made flesh and dwelt among us. I can believe that he dwelt among us. I believe there's a lot of good things that are done through Christianity. But can you believe that God will come close to you in the midst of your dilemma? That God is not some cartoon sketch of the mind. That he's not some magical portion that we pour over the top of things that we do not understand. Can I believe that my God dwells among us? You and I. And that you and I can have a personal relationship with the God of glory. You say, I, I just can't get there. You're going to miss one of the greatest things, if not the greatest thing in life. Because to not believe in God is to believe that there's just this cold existence in this world. And there's no purpose, no meaning, and mo no morality. And the survival of the fittest. But I've come to tell you that there's a God that wants to come close to you, wrap his arms around you, and to know you're not alone. i got to hurry. Give me two more minutes. Full of grace and truth. 
Not just the fact that he was gracious, but that he was truth personified. That's the revelation of who Jesus was. They said to Dr. Lennox, what makes you think that man is, is so much more special than all of the other species? Why should man be even any more special than a whale or a chimpanzee? They said, you're engaged in a, in a word I hadn't heard before. You're engaged in speciesism. Determining that man is superior to all other mammals. What makes man? I want Dr. Lennox to answer this question. What makes man so special? Dr. Lennox said, that's easy. God became one. End of story. He didn't become an orca whale. He didn't become a spotted owl. God became man. What makes us so special? Not that we're smarter than anything else or anybody else, but the fact that we were made in the image of God and I've got a free will, so I decide today that I will bless the Lord almost. I will lift my voice and declare that He is great and greatly to be praised. Stay standing if you would. I feel the Holy Ghost moving. I feel like faith is here to push us to the next. He We need faith in the fourth dimension. We live in a natural world of 3D, three dimensions, which are a combination of height, width, breadth, length, and depth. We understand how 3D image works. One dimensional, we just see the surface. 3D gives us the ability to see the side. Bringing together height and width, breadth, length, and depth, we get three dimensions. But in the 17th century, they started experimenting with a theory of fourth dimension. These theories became more formal in the 18th and 19th century to where in the 1900s they could not escape the fact, watch this ladies and gentlemen, that time was a dimension that had largely been unexplained in the natural world. That is now more than just three dimensions. In fact, now they say there's at least 10 or 11 dimensions that we know of. They got to the fourth dimension. They said, we cannot deny the fact that time is an issue. That must be explained in a natural world. Ladies and gentlemen, it was in the Bible the whole time. All you had to do was read Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance. Somebody say substance. Of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. What is now faith fourth dimension faith now faith we need faith in the fourth dimension that says right now is my time 
The same God that created the heaven and the earth. The same God that breathed into me the life of the breath that I have. Is the same God that can meet me where I am this very moment. I'm praying that God would give us now faith. Today is the day of salvation. You're not going to solve every dilemma in your life this morning. I don't know how God's going to resolve all the issues that you're facing. I have no idea. I just know that right now, God is wanting me and you to step out in faith. Faith to believe God. Faith to believe only God can forgive my sins. Faith to believe that right now is the right time for me. I wonder who would capture the essence of this moment right now and say, I'm ready to move my faith to the fourth word, to the fourth dimension. I'm ready to have now faith. Step out from where you're standing right now and come to this altar and say, I'm going to seize the moment. Come on. Only Jesus. Only God. Some of you may got, you may be dealing with something in your life that's a God-sized dilemma. I'm going to tell you something. It was designed that way. It was designed so that you would not be able to resolve it on your own. It's not the sign of a cruel God. It's the sign of a loving God that you would say, I have no solution on my own. I need help. I've come to tell you about a God that will take you to that point right now. That's it. Come on, gather down. We're going to pray together right now. we still got a couple of moments. Just gather down. If you don't mind, press down to the front just as close as you can. I believe God's going to do a miraculous work right now. I'm not going to just say I believe. I'm going to go ahead and declare God is going to do a miraculous work right now. Is there anybody in this house that can lift your hand? Those of you that are at this altar that say right now I'm going to receive my miracle. Right now God's going to work out a solution. I'm not going to have to go anywhere else. I don't have to wait for a more convenient season that's it press down real close oh that's beautiful that's beautiful the Bible said we're two or three agree together we got more than two or three that's here agreeing together he said you can ask anything in my name and it shall be done I wonder now if all across the front of this building, if every single person that has stepped out in faith, I wonder right now if you would lift your hands and you would lift your voice and would you begin to declare, I receive my miracle right now. I receive my healing right now. That's it, that's it, that's it. That's it, step out of your comfort zone. God, you can do it. I declare it. I believe in you and you only, oh God.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God alone. Oh, yes, Lord. We bless you, Jesus. Right now, yes. Jesus, yes, Lord.
morning with this. I believe, I don't have time to go into all of this this morning, but I also believe that there's a fourth dimension to praise. Thomas was able to finally put his hand in the side of Jesus and feel the nail prints in his hands. He worshiped him and he said, my Lord and my God. But the Lord said to Thomas, see and you believe. Blessed are those that seeth not and yet believe. There's a fourth level of praise where you praise God by faith before you see any results. Children of Israel worshiped God after they got over on dry ground. But they had the right song on the wrong side. You've got to be able to bless the Lord before the seas roll back. I wish I had time to give it all to you this morning. I'm just going to ask you to do this. Will you take your praise to the fourth level today? Would you start out by declaring the glory of God and then say when the enemy comes in like a flood, I'm going to lift up a standard. And the standard is to declare the glory of the name of Jesus. Come on, that's fourth level praise. I'll praise Him in my pain. I'll praise Him in my sorrow. I'll praise Him in my question. I'll praise Him in church. I'll praise Him in my car. I'll praise Him at school. I'll praise Him on the job. I'll praise Him when I don't see the answer.